Welcome to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. So, season two, episode what? 13. 13. 13. What's it called? Checkmate. Checkmate. Which in German, we got to do this every time now. What is it? What, do Google first and then we'll do it right. No. Oh, you. Yeah. Okay. We'll get Google wrong. Schachmat. Schachmat. Yeah. Is that, is that That's pretty that. Much it? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. I prefer the non-digitized voice, of course. But that's what it is. Checkmate. Um, is it a checkmate? Well... It continues the, cha- the chess metaphor, yeah. but it doesn't really... Checkmate's usually the end of the game. Yeah. This is really just the start of the game. I don't know anything about chess, okay. so I'm going to defer to you on that. <laughs> you know the point of the game. Is I'm a checkers person myself. Checkers woman. You're Pete Martell in an alternate universe. Gotcha. Oh, spoilers. Zynga. Uh, so let's start with the log lady. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. First give the, the oh, yes. details. Okay. Uh, so, yes, this was directed by Todd Holland. It was written by Harley Payton. Mm-hmm. It aired on January 19th, 1991, and was set on St. Patrick's Day, 1989. No one in the episode is wearing green, though. So oh, I'm, I'm guessing a there's a lot of... continuity error there. I no, I think, it, I think the leprechauns will be busy pinching a lot of... <laughs> A lot of people. Isn't that, that's what they always say when I'm teaching and I don't, where the kids come up and they pinch me. Yeah, it's the kids, not leprechauns. Leprechauns, you know. But the kids are like leprechauns. They're short, they're little, and and they have (laughs) pincers. No, they're not annoying. Children have pincers. I don't think I know what children are. No, I don't think so. (laughs) And uh, you're a teacher, so that's a good sign. Okay. Uh, So. Yes, let's start with the log lady. Yes, let's start with the log lady. I really uh, like this log lady. Uh, well, it's really here. it's it's pretty intense. Like there's some character there. Like well, it's it is it's the first time that we get um, any real background on on the log lady, which is well, except for what's in the episodes. Yeah, but, but in terms of the intros, yeah. No, but even then, like we don't really know much. Uh, the The one episode where we went to her cabin and and they yeah. drank tea. Yeah. Um, they explained that her husband explained that her husband died, husband died. At the day on the wet. Of the wedding or the day after? Or the day after yeah. the wedding. Um, but, well, no, they, I guess they did say it was a fire. But yeah. But anyway. yeah, but yeah, this is like her take on it. Yeah. And it's it's coming from her and it's heartfelt and and it's mysterious and very spooky. Like it's a really spooky intro to have. She talks about how her husband died in a fire and that everything that she loves is gone. Yeah. Her best friend is gone. Everybody, yeah. like... That's true sorrow, she says. And um, she thinks sometimes she can almost see him. And she ta- she asks the question, why? And why, I'm assuming why her husband had to die. Yeah. Um, and then she talks about the fire. And, and I think this yeah. was... It, it goes into um, kind of this primal zone of... It's more than just fear of the fire. She talks about feeling fear... Or she talks about feeling anger. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she makes this distinction between a forest fire and a yes. fire in the woods, woods. Yeah. I think taps into and the the way she delivers that line is is I think it, it taps into that kind of primal um like this is more than a force of nature. It's because you know, yeah, like yeah. like a forest fire and I mean we just um for those of you who pay attention to international news um, here in Alberta, we had a massive forest fire last yeah. May and in Fort McMurray, and it devastated 
It was the largest forest fire, largest natural disaster, I believe, in Canadian history, and devastated the entire town of Fort McMurray um, and the surrounding area. And seeing footage of a forest fire and the people fleeing these forest fires was horrific. And, and imagining that this is something that you cannot control. It's not something that you can... Um, even with your best intentions, you, you kind of... Yeah. Like the fire is just going to go where it's it goes. Happen, yeah. But that's not what this was. This was a fire in the woods. And that's a different connotation, mm-hmm. right? So what's your take on that? What do you what do you take that to mean? Well, I, I just assumed it was, it was an indication that the woods acted against her that it was the woods were the one the woods burned themselves to kill her husband right. as if there was there was it was the evil spirit in the woods that right. came out and actively went after her husband right. and killed him and hasn't there been reference to um fires consuming people from within in the show already yeah yeah well i mean it's i mean it's motif fire walk with me yeah you know being the the, the central one but there's because lots, because saying like, that the fire is in the woods is is almost implying that the fire exists within inside. Yeah. Like in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Right? So I think you're right. Like I think it, it does seem like it was I mean, I didn't read necessarily that it was purposeful, but of course, I mean, we've we've yeah, heard I mean, other characters yeah. talk about the evil that exists yeah. in the woods, right? So yeah, it, it was just an interesting way of yeah. Connoting that, I think. Yeah. Um, that the body of the woods exists as a thing and there's a fire inside it. Yeah. And that's what killed yeah, her husband. Yeah, that's what killed her husband, yeah. And I like that. Yeah. It's really no, it's a really Yeah, it's a really poetic kind of exploration of her grief and her suffering. And I just... And her she, fear. Yeah, I yeah. Think. But she, she she delivers that scene really, oh, really yeah. well. Like, like, she is... And the camera's right up in her face. She's very visibly upset even though this happened, you know, probably what, 20, 30 years ago or something yeah. like that. But she, she carries that in her arms, perhaps right. that, that memory and the, the pain that she suffered. So, and the anger. Which is, so. it's interesting that she lives in the woods still. Yeah. Because of that. It's, yeah. it's almost, um, uh, it's poignant in a way that she, she exists in the place that killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know exactly, you know, where her cabin is. And yeah, maps not, of the town when yeah. that were in the access guide and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they've 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 generally mapped out, and some people have figured it, it's close to Glastonbury Grove, yeah. which is um, a key point later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, where where exactly does the evil reside in the woods? Maybe she's yeah. in a safe part of the woods. I don't know. Well, but I mean, still, she, it's, it's when just... we went to her cabin, she did talk about how the the owls couldn't see her once mm-hmm. they were inside, mm-hmm. right? And so That's I true. think she's kind of it's a very much a man versus nature kind of motif that's come back so here she's built an oasis from the woods out of the woods she's yeah. cut them down and right. formed a, a cabin but um it's, well, it's a her, wasn't her husband a, a lumberjack or a woodsman I, a, right? I thought that or a firefighter well i thought a firefighter too but i think that's just because in my yeah, mind I, yeah. he died in a fire yeah so, so yeah why would um, he be in a fire if he's not it's fighting it um so yeah the the episode proper yes let's start that yeah and boy it's a weird opening <laughs> Um, well, it starts off yeah. in space. It's, yeah, there's it's, a shot of the stars. Yeah, and then these... Um, and something, these... something whispers Cooper. Yes, there's a... Which uh, I only noticed because the subtitles were We've been watching it with it. the subtitles just because we're uh, 
Well, we're having we're watching it on the Blu-ray, and we're having some issues with. I don't know if it's our sound system or if it's the Blu-ray itself, but yeah. we're having trouble sometimes with the the dialogue. So yeah. we are watching it with the subtitles. Never noticed that the word or that the the name Cooper was being whispered um, in the stars. But it ties in with what we heard from Colonel Riley and and Major Briggs about the his name, Cooper's name being transmitted from the woods to yes. space. Yes. So here we are hearing that transmission, maybe or coming back or something. Or yeah, yeah. something. But anyways, uh, and then out of nowhere comes these three flying triangles. Yeah, that, it's like a Zelda Triforce inverted, <laughs> or radiation symbol. Or I was thinking like radiation That's symbol. It's accurate. not really, but, but yeah, it's yeah. close. And it's coming, and then it explodes in a burst of fire. Or yeah. the screen at least explodes with fire. Um, and Briggs is describing. I just want to go over the visuals first because yeah, okay. it's it's a very odd shot that you never see again in in the rest of Twin Peaks. Yeah. So with the way this is shot, it's kind of like this overexposed, um, very bright, very technicolor bright. green. Yes, yes. That we've never seen that but, color green so, before on. So, yes, for in sure. In the show, right? And, and Briggs is set, sat on a like a, a throne, a, a stone throne yeah. of some sort with like ivy or some sort of really yeah. green. Uh, plant just covered it and and all around him he's there yeah. bright bright trees mm-hmm. it almost looks like like an impressionist painting almost of the way the colors are mm-hmm. arranged and the way every like he's kind of muted and everything um it's a really interesting just visual shot and i think you're supposed to believe that that's where he was when he described or when he's talking about what he describes yeah um, that this is kind of the location he was in. At least that's the way I've always interpreted it. Well, the thing that, that that troubles me about that is that he doesn't remember where he went. Yeah, he he says, doesn't remember yeah. anything about it. He has amnesia. The only thing he remembers is a giant owl. Yes, scaring him. Yeah, and he, he but he doesn't have any other recollection of anything. Well, yeah, he remembers coming back through a fire, I think, or something like that was how yeah. he described it. Um, but that's it, yeah. He remembers his re-entry. Mm-hmm. And it's odd because he says he he re-entered in the clearing where Cooper, where their yes. fire had been. Yes. So he basically came back in the same spot. But he seemed to have appeared under the end of last episode in the house magically. There was no yeah. opening of the door or anything like no. that. It was the, the lightning struck and then there he was. Yeah. So it's, it's a little either... Yeah, a continuity error, or it's something Even, else spooky yeah. and supernatural going on. Maybe he was transported from the Glen to yeah, his, house. his house or something. Or maybe, yeah, you just weren't supposed to see him come in or yeah. something in the house. But yeah. in any case, yeah. So, yeah, what else does he say? He talks about the owl that terrified him. Yeah. And then that's... He has a scar behind his ear, though. That's yes, the thing that Doc Hayward is, is um, taking a picture. And it's, it's of three triangles, and yeah. it's the same shape that... We saw flying through the through space in the opening, um, the opening scene. Um, he, after talking about what he does remember from his vision or his quest, wherever he went, he he goes and talks about. Um, I, it seems like he's wrestling with with his role in the conspiracy and secrecy um, surrounding his involvement with. The military operation yes, he's, that he's he's a part of yeah, yeah. and uh, and he admits to being a, in an unofficial capacity working on Project Blue Book, yeah. which is uh, the only time in American history when the the military was actively and seeking and, and publicly <laughs> seeking out evidence for unidentified flying objects. Yeah. Um, it closed in 1969, Something like I that, believe. Yeah. Um, but in an unofficial capacity, Major Briggs and others have been working at it 
for, you know, the, their careers. So this is what he's been doing out in the woods. Um, yes. Now, sorry, I, I, he does say all that. But before that, he talks, he, this is what, he seems to have like a crisis of confidence. That's what I was saying. Yeah. That he's wrestling with the, with his role in this, in this secrecy and conspiracy. And he talks about how this might be bigger than all of that, bigger yeah. than these man-made institutions yes. that he's pledged his life to and, and yeah, taken an oath to, right? I, I have it paraphrased as uh, he's talking about how secrets are of less importance to him now. I don't know right. if that's yeah, quite that's, accurate. But. Yeah, exactly, because I think he, he feels like, he says that he feels um, that this might be connected to his soul. Well, yeah, and he, he, he asked... <laughs> Is this meant for the soul? My soul? What is this? Like, I'm air right. quoting this. Like, what is he talking about? Is it, was it his experience in the, when he, the two days he was missing? Was it his project that right. he's working on? Like, what is, what is the this that he's talking about? It's really right. mysterious. It is. And, and we don't get any answers to it because the, the Air Force, a couple of Air Force yes, uh, cadets of course, or yeah. somebody, yeah. right when he's about to give the juicy bits, he, yeah. uh, he gets whisked away and Truman what? and Cooper kind of, like, no, no, no. Well, Truman especially yeah. is like, no, he's my friend. I'm going to keep him here until he's But safe. Major Briggs, Briggs is a good, recognizes good army man that this and, is what's yeah. happening. He was expecting these guys to come. Yeah. So this is this is like um, the men in black kind of yeah, idea that, that they're stepping in because he had this weird experience. And now he's going to go have his... His debrief yeah. and his brain yeah. wiped or something, Whatever. you know. He's going to be corrected from... But just talking about, um, to, to come back to this idea of conspiracies and everything... Um, because in later episodes, Major Briggs does um, get involved with um, helping them figure out this this problem. And he does release some information that previously he would have said that's classified. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his, his drive to uphold his oath to the United States Air Force has been um, broken in a way that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just thinking about it, that it mirrors Cooper's... Um, Experiences? Well, it his break with the FBI, right? Yeah. That he... Some things are more important than the oath. Some yeah. things are more important than upholding... The institution. The yeah. institution. Yeah. They're bigger than that. And so sometimes you have to do the right thing, even if it means going against... And they had a moment... Um, where they talked about being, earlier on, about yeah. being, you know... Federal employees. Federal yeah. employees... Um, but this goes beyond that for both of them. And I think it's, it's obviously this has much bigger stakes in a, in a kind of a global sense. And yeah. I'm air quoting global because yeah. I don't mean that as like the world, but it's like a holistic sense. Yeah. This has much bigger stakes than Cooper's very personal, you know, maybe he's going to go to jail for this. Yeah. But they still mirror one another a little yeah. bit. Yep. It also harkens back to what the log lady says in her intro. Her last line is that she can't talk about this. Yeah. That's all she can yeah. say. Yeah. And this is kind of like, this is all Major Briggs can say too. It's true. Like, they're the two characters who, and I, I've talked about, I think I talked about this last episode, is I really hate it when there are characters who know more than everybody else, but for some convenient reason, reason, yeah, they just don't share the information. Yeah. Um, and the log lady and Major Briggs are those two characters yeah. in this show. Um, Sarah Palmer almost. And well, she and some, gets there, but yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's it's 
Yeah, it's kind of annoying, but at the same time, you're like, wow, this is a juicy tidbit. Well, at this point, at this point, it starts to be, um, it's almost like there, we understand that there's something more going on here. Mm -hmm. It's not just these characters being withholding or the writers being coy. It's, there's, there's a deeper thing going on here. There is a conspiracy going on and there is only so much that these people can talk about for whatever reason. They're afraid or they're not permitted to, um... It's it's more than just a convenient storyline trope that mm-hmm. that the story is or that the writers are falling into. Yeah. So I yeah, just thought no, that was true. worth bringing up, especially because I know your feelings on this. Yes. So. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. Um. So then at the end of the scene, uh, Cooper's looking at the Polaroid of yes. uh, Briggs's scar, his new one on the, the behind his ear, and then uh, some water drips on yes. it from the sprinkler system. Yes. And I don't know what that is. That a reminder of Leland? Well, I think it's. I think we're supposed to understand that that um, these are elemental. Yeah, forces. Things that are happening here, right? Yeah. We're talking about fire. We talked. We had lightning and everything in mm-hmm. the the previous episode. Um, water, which played a crucial role in in Leland's death, yeah. and uh, is where Maddie, yeah, Laura, well, Teresa's bodies died, have been yeah. found. Um, so we're we're talking about some pretty base elemental forces natural things that are that are escaping from the man-made structures of the the station right yeah, yeah. and it comes back to, to to bear at the end of the episode when there's a, a, a couple of fires that get started that's true at the very yes, end yes i forgot so. about that yeah no that's for sure so yeah okay okay yeah so that that first scene is it's quick but a lot happens actually yeah um, yeah seeing in the sheriff's department but just in the next room we yep. have um Denise trying to coax Ernie into making a call to Jean Renault. And uh, I really I really do love the way that these two characters play off one another. Well, um, and then when Cooper comes in, they kind of messes up because basically Denise calls Ernie a, a coward. And yeah. then he's like, Ernie, Ernie Niles or whatever yeah. is one of the strongest men I know or whatever. And he picks up the phone and then as soon as he starts dialing, he's like, please don't <laughs> make me do this. this. <laughs> don't make me do this. It's, it's really, really funny. It is yeah. really funny that he's such a coward and yeah. he's such a... But he can be uh, prodded so easily. Yeah, like, you know, totally. it's just like well, you yeah. you you appeal to his manhood, right? Yeah, and I yeah. think it, I think it, it, it's, in a sense, it plays into the transphobia that, um, that I, a person like Ernie would probably feel, that Denise is, yeah, you know, trying true. to massage his shoulders and yeah. hold his hand, and he he just doesn't want it. Yeah, he it doesn't you know want doesn't want to have anything to do with that, and uh, and so to have a, a a trans woman, be like. You're a terrible man. Yeah, uh, it's 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 an interesting, yep. interesting dynamic, and and then for Cooper to come in and uh, his his first reaction is to be aghast at, at that Ernie took a bite out of the donut and put it back on the plate. Yeah, that's true. It's I forgot about uh, that. Yeah. it's it's just a kind of a fun little scene that after the the somber quality or the 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 really serious nature of the previous scene, this is. Yeah. Kind of nice. Some, but. I love, yeah, Ernie, especially his, his excuses are always... He just comes oh, yeah. up with them like, I'm a CPA, you know? Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not cut out for this. Uh, I just... He's he's welcome comic relief. Yes, this, yeah. And it, and it feels like the actor can pull it off and the writers actually cared enough to write it well yeah. that it, it makes sense, yeah. so... Yeah, um, So then... Still uh, in the Sheriff's Department? Still in the Sheriff's Department. A little less interesting. Um, so Andy walks in. Yeah. Um, and Dick is there waiting for him in a full, in a like, full like trench Dick coat, Tracy yeah. detective getup, hat, the whole deal. Yeah. Um, and it, the best part of the scene is that Dick asks why Andy was late, and he says, "Where have you been, Andrew? 
There was a cat in a tree. Well, it's yeah, just underscoring yeah, yeah. that <laughs> Deputy Andy is maybe not the best man to take on a, well, a heist or, mission. Or, <laughs> I mean, these are the normal crimes. These yes, are the normal yeah. things that the sheriff's the department sh- gets called for. With, yeah. But um, so then, Dix gives some background that. Uh, the helping, Happy Helping Hands organization doesn't have Nikki's info, but the orphanage does. So they're yeah. going down to the orphanage yeah. to steal that information. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of odd because Lucy, I don't think she can hear them. I don't I don't know. I don't know because Lucy kind of like comes out to like look at where they were standing after right. they left. I don't know why she would do that unless she heard something. But right. um, in any case, then Cooper comes by. Well, and I think she's just suspicious of what they're up to. Yes. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. That's all. True. But- but yes, then Cooper comes by to get a drink of water from the, the water fountain, the water cooler, which I think is kind of a nice little nod because Twin Peaks being the water cooler show and hearing you have a water cooler in the, the hallway that the main character is employing, yeah. it was just kind of a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, but he does come out and, and... Asks about... Well, Lucy informs him that she looked through every national newspaper and couldn't find anything that looks like a chess move. Yeah, in the classified section or any reference to Windermere either. Yeah. So Cooper's still waiting for the for the next chess move to come, and it hasn't yet. So yeah. he looks a little bit concerned, but um, he'll figure it he, out. Yeah, there's nothing to do about it. He he takes it in stride as he's been taking most things in the last uh, few episodes. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the double R. Yeah. And there, uh, Ed is looking a little perturbed. Well, he said, "I don't think he's looking perturbed. I think this is this is a moment when when I think there's some clarity now for him and Norma." Yeah, I don't get where it's coming from for Ed, though. I mean, okay, so basically he slips her a note uh, with the bill uh, saying we need to talk. Yeah. And Norma says, yeah, okay, basically. Like, basically she says, wink, wink, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. Um, and then Ed leaves. But so basically Ed wants to get with Norma. I think yeah. he's he's ready to move on this relationship that they've been on again, well, off again and, and I think it's just the fact that Nadine is 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 gone and yeah, high school. He, there's there's nothing left in the marriage. Maybe this is all over now. But for I mean, him. she's really ill. She thinks she's an eighteen year old. You know, course, and that, yeah, that no, was his is, reasoning for staying with her in the past. Of course, right? this was this is. Um, I think it's it's a that Ed has reached his breaking point with yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, he has, yeah. He, and I don't blame him. I mean, it's it's not easy to deal with someone or to not... It's not to easy to someone, care for yeah, someone yeah. who is who is mentally unwell. Um, so... Especially considering Nadine seems much happier as an 18-year-old. Sure, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, she does. she's not obsessed with the drape runners or depressed about, you know, not being rich for Ed or anything like right. that. She seems much, much happier yeah. in her... So maybe maybe there's maybe there's an element of of Ed recognizing that this is for the best. For the best, maybe. Maybe he's not going to put as much effort into fixing her or but, curing her. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it just the show doesn't go into it at all. I mm-hmm. mean, Ed doesn't really talk at all this episode, despite no. him and Norma's relationship taking a very drastic turn. Ed doesn't do much of anything. Yeah. He doesn't get his side of this argument. And so maybe we'll watch in a future episode and see if he backtracks a bit or. Yeah. or explains after the fact but while we're getting ed and norma coming together after many episodes apart we have bobby and shelly uh essentially on the rocks breaking up really well yeah i mean they don't but they don't but this is what the implication is that um that their relationship is is yeah is Is over yeah and so i love the way it starts though this scene is like a weird mix of domestic like everydayness, mm-hmm. like Bobby walks in, he's got his tie on, and he's just like, Read, is he reading the newspaper? He's reading the newspaper, I yeah. think, and he's sipping his orange juice. Meanwhile, Shelly's disgusting and covered well, in she's, stuff, trying she's to feed feeding. It looks Leo. like baby food that yeah. she's feeding. So I mean, the you want to talk about uh, 
teen pregnancy metaphor, here it is, right? Here's Bobby and Shelly yeah. who were, you know, ostensibly much closer in age than, than I think. Yeah. Um, Leo and Shelly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Leo, her, her catatonic husband, feeding him baby food or yeah. what looks like baby food. She's the downtrodden housewife. He's going off to his golden opportunity job. Yeah. I mean, it really does hammer home this, this, it, it, it calls to me that this is, this is a, a metaphor for yeah. teen pregnancy. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, yeah. teenage relationships in general. I mean, like, yeah. it really does remind you that Bobby's still a teenager. Everything I said last episode about him really trying to yeah, bend down totally the hatches. Yeah, it's subverted this It's time gone this time because, he, yeah. He has... Well, he just says to her, he's like, well, there's nothing you can do. Like, you should be at home with Leo. That's what you Yeah, you've got nothing for. better to do. Yeah. Which I guess we should have seen coming with the way that he reacts to Audrey. Yeah. It's Audrey true. is unattached. Audrey is a free spirit. Yeah. Audrey doesn't isn't married. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you know, the the complications of this one time, you know, it, it was an exciting love affair when yeah, the, the danger, danger of, of Leo, you know, finding out about them was ever present. Yeah. Now that that's gone. Maybe. It's like maybe he doesn't have any interest well, in I think, Yeah, and I think the fact they've been building up Audrey as a potential love interest mm-hmm. from the last couple episodes has has really influenced uh, how he kind of handles that. Right. Um, I think he's like, oh, there's something new on the horizon. Yeah, not, fun just, and different. not just with his job, but with, you know, potentially his his romantic life. So. Yeah, yeah. So Shelly's old news. Yeah and, yeah. and she's heartbroken. Like, she's angry. She she's slaps him. She's really it's, mad, It's yeah. a great scene. Like, she, they really do play it well. These are... Two people who were so hot and heavy a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. now the pressures of this Carefully. life that they're trying to to make work for each other um, are just too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so poor Shelley. Once again, we're back to poor Shelley. Yeah. Um, so then yes. we get this this nice panoramic shot yes. that is ruined by uh, James calling Ed on the phone and asking for all twelve dollars oh, out of his savings account. I love I love the way it's played out too. I don't think I would have heard this if we didn't have the subtitles on. Yeah. But... Uncle Ed. Yeah, it's me. Where are you? You all right? Well, I'm okay. Uh, look, I need a favor. Um, I need you to get all the money out of my savings account. Well, whatever's left. Um, and yeah, so yes. But for what? What bar. does he want? He wants it I don't for. Know. He wants it sent to this bar out on yeah. on Highway ninety six. I yeah. think he says so. Um, presumably, it's Wally's, it's Wally's bar. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, but he's he's calling from the garage, and then Evelyn walks in. Yeah. And she wants to know all about Twin Peaks and everything that happened to. And he monologues again. He monologues the um, shit out of it. He talks, I found he talks a little bit coldly about Laura, but then it's it's hard to know. Like, there's there hasn't been a lot of passion in in much of what James has said, even when... Never. Well, yeah, even when, when you know, Laura's death was very fresh and yeah. new, yeah. there didn't seem to be a lot of... Like, I just remember I just remember the scene in the in the the graveyard in the cemetery when um, he and Bobby are fighting. Yeah. And he's just still so stone-faced. And, yeah. like, they're... they're I, yeah. So it's just... it's it's Maybe it's just the same. He, his character has been very consistent in that way, yeah. I guess. But it's just wooden dialogue, wooden yeah, delivery, wooden again. everything. Um, and, I mean, it's... This is probably some of the best of the worst of this plot line because he, <laughs> he kind of, you know, explains that, like, I had a life and it was mine, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was happy with the life I had. Yeah. Um, and then when Laura died, she kind of took it all with her. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a... That, I mean, 
fair enough, that is kind of what happened, James. Yeah. Um, but then he, then he just, uh, he just gets on the self-righteous, self-pitying streak of like, every time I tried to help, another girl died. It's like, no, you, you fucked with Maddie, you kissed her, you were making out with your ex-girlfriend's best friend. Like, you're all over the map, James. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. isn't you trying to help that's the problem. It's, yeah, yeah, you it's, know, but like, it's, it's a very, it's a very, uh, typical teenager response. Like, everything is so revolves around you yeah. when you're a teenager and it just i think in trying to be this mature grown-up he's just fall like he's yeah. he's not he's, he's not. so clearly not and, and the fact that he only has 12 dollars in his bank account is yeah, kind of reiterates that, you know. yeah uh it kind of reminded me of the way uh when donna went to go talk to laura's grave and gave right. her kind of speech about how laura's yeah. death kind of was still hanging around um it felt a lot like that mm-hmm. and just like that one it was not very helpful it didn't help me it didn't help me sympathize with the character at all because well, i'm just like but i think donna's was more heartfelt than than james yeah, yeah and and i think that that comes from the natural extension of their deeper friendship than yeah, here james, it's just james yeah. and, and laura had an affair really yeah um but it's still it the thing that it does for me is it it really does um bring to the fore the fact that well, I mean, it, it reminds us that Laura still was the center of this whole story. She's kind of, I mean, as we've talked about, been shuffled to the side since um, her murder was solved. Yeah. But she is still hanging and, and around. For, for James, James especially. especially yeah. Like, I think that's really the only character for whom Laura's presence or Laura's life, Laura's existence... Was is still has, the driving force. Yeah, yeah. has any um, matters at all, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, and, and okay. The part that annoyed me the most was like Evelyn said, like, "Oh, I know how that feels." Yeah, you, really, Evelyn. You know how it feels when someone's murdered every time you try to help them. Yeah, and then yeah. You want to ride on a bicycle across the country? Motorcycle, motorcycle. I said bicycle again. Yeah, yeah. No, Evelyn, you don't know that feeling. Your feeling is different. Yes, you also want to leave. Well, but it's 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 just. <laughs> It's just bad writing. Like it's just yeah. so bad. I just it's I don't, really I, hard. It's it's plot characters being inserted into the plot rather than plot it's emerging absolutely. from character. Absolutely. So it's and that's just how you know. I mean, I, I okay. If you accept James's pussy ass <laughs> response to someone else that he cares about getting hurt is to just run away, then sure. I, I his his character still makes sense to want to run and be away from Twin yeah. Peaks. I get that. But doing all this stuff with Evelyn and everything, that doesn't make any sense. Why would he want to get involved with another woman who who's, has well, her own issues and Yeah, and has clearly no has idea. much, much bigger, much more adult issues than... Yeah, anything than, he's dealt with. Well, I mean, he tried to help okay. Laura with yeah, her cocaine, cocaine idea, but... Yeah. And he didn't know about the adult issues that she was dealing with, exactly. really. But And he couldn't um, handle that when they did... Yeah, talk, yeah, right? you're right. Like, exactly. So it, it does seem... Yeah, it just... I don't know why we spend so much time talking about it. No, it I know. Really we can matter. just move on. <laughs> but anyways, at the end, Evelyn begs him to help her. Yes. Doesn't specify what that looks like. After yeah. they made out again, I think. Yeah. And then uh, her husband comes home or something. Or he's leaving again. Yeah. She has to... Yeah. Same off. Oh, was this where, like, she has a bruise in this scene? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. She was wearing her... Five minutes later, she doesn't? Well... <laughs> Yeah, we'll... Okay, we'll get there. She has a bruise in this scene. In this scene, yes. He takes off takes her sunglasses and, and, and asks her why, he, she, why she lets her husband hurt her. Which is... It's just... Uh, yeah. It's bad. Moving on. Moving on. We get a scene at the double R with uh, Nadine and Mike, Mike. That is, once again, very sexually aggressive. Um, Pretty rapey. 
yeah, Nadine begging Mike for a date, a date. and Mike turning her turning down, down really harshly. With, with, well, harshly, but but I think it's you it's, know he wants to be clear. Yes, <laughs> he's like I he, am not interested. Not at all. Yeah. And and then she she tells him that she thinks he's the handsomest boy she's ever seen, and then forces herself on yeah. him, kisses like, him, kisses him, and like crushes him into the, yeah. the adjoining stools. And okay, he seems to kind of like it. Yeah, a after a while, yeah, he, after she leaves. Still, I'm just like Yeah, like, I again, switch the genders yeah, and that's like a super creepy scene. Yeah, right? not not cool at all. So I don't know why that's allowed to happen, but it's 1991 maybe. But why does the show get a pass for that when they're when they can clearly deal sensitively with with Someone with a character like Denise, you know, or yeah, you know, issues like rape and incest, where they can, they can deal with those sympathetically, and then all of a sudden you have this trope being flipped on its head and played for laughs. When yeah. and then that's yeah. like what you'd said. I think it was two episodes ago. Uh, you were talking about how Nadine is trying to be a man, and that's right. where some of the jokes come from. Yeah, that's why this scene didn't make me laugh at all because right. that is where the joke is. Like she's a strong man who's going to take what she wants right. from. A helpless woman. Mike. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in this case. Um, whereas I, th- I think the jokes for, that work for Nadine are still where she's just socially oblivious. Like when they're wrestling and she's yeah, trying to yeah, ask him out. Yeah. That's funny it's, because it's her, she doesn't know that she's in a wrestling match. So she, but she's so hung up on, she likes this guy so much that she yeah. still wants to ask him out. Yeah. Like that's what makes that scene funny. It's not her picking him up and throwing him. But I think that's what the writers, the thought, writers was thought was the funny part. Yeah. And, and that's what they yeah. think here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, and even the part where she is socially oblivious, like she's not picking up on his cue, she's not listening to his yeah. very clear no. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, not played for laughs. no, and it's, and it yeah, or it's if it is, it's not funny. No, like it doesn't make you laugh. It no. just makes you feel like this is awkward. This is now an awkward, uncomfortable situation. Yeah. So, um, then we get Norma. Uh, leaving to presumably she's leaving to meet Ed. She is. She is. She's yeah. going to meet Ed. Um, and Hank knows because yeah. he's been watching them. Of course. The last a while. And, and I have this this interesting little yeah. interaction where they're talking between in between the, like the milkshake and the coffee, coffee maker. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's in between Down these two hallway. stainless steel. Yeah. Um, I love that shot. Oh yeah, it's, it's great. Really cool. And they're they're looking at each other and having this conversation. And uh, he doesn't understand why she's leaving so early because the breakfast crowd is still there. And she says, "Oh well, think of this as a test, right?" And, yeah. But the whole time she's she's leaving to go meet her paramour, right? And and Hank totally knows. Yeah. So it kind of It's funny, he says I'll do that, knowing that he's gonna do something about the mm-hmm. like it's a test of his role as the the husband still. I so guess, yeah. That's how he's interpreting it, right? Less as a husband and more of the possessor of Norma. Yeah, that right? exactly. But, yeah. Uh so then we get um head over to the Blue Pine Lodge and it's the first time I think that uh well, it's the first time we've seen Harry and Josie together since Josie's become yeah, Catherine's maid. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I thought it was interesting. I assumed it was the first time he saw her and her maid get up because she takes off the hat yeah, as soon as yeah. she sees him at the door. Oh, well, yeah. She's very, you It's know, like image yeah, conscious. Yeah. She's, she's kind of, you she's know. embarrassed and, yeah. yeah. Um, and Harry, Harry says, like, I thought you were going to move in with me. You don't have to put up with this. After yeah. everything Catherine's done you for you, I'll yeah. take care of you. And... Josie's like, no, I don't have a choice. Like, this is this is the only way I can keep you safe. And that really bothers me because Josie, Josie and Catherine were two very strong characters in season one. And in the beginning part of season two, Josie continued with that as well. And ever since this, her plot with Eckhart 
and Mr. Lee and everything kind of started to spin out of control, she has lost everything. Mm -hmm. She has no strength. She has no control over anything that happens in her life. Like, she always has no choice. And that really bothers me because, because she was one of the few characters, female characters in the show, that really was you know, imbued with agency and and a great deal of strength. And now she's being reduced to a scullery maid, really. Yeah, yeah. Like she's scrubbing dishes and making Catherine's breakfast. And yeah. um even yeah. if I don't even if I if I if I'm not crazy about the dynamic of Harry uh, and, Josie. and well Harry needing to save Josie yeah. all the time, I feel like here it's like I almost want him to like whisk her away like yeah. because at least then when she's with Harry like she's not reduced to, to this, role. this role this this stereotypical But I think servant it, role. I think what she says is important that um she wants to keep him safe. I think that yeah, that's okay. indicative of of where her priorities are and I think she believes that's true. Like yeah. Eckert's going to come in and try and kill her. Mm-hmm. So she's going to count on Catherine and Pete's protection, I guess. Well, yeah, um, I mean to not let Eckhart know yeah, where her real right. feelings are, which is with with uh, Harry. Um so I think that's a I think that's a big deal. Um But the fact that we know that Catherine is plotting against her again with Andrew, who's well, alive. I, I don't know. I think they, uh, it's not clear what their role is. In well, the, I don't think they point. care about Josie at all. No, like, they're, clear, they're clearly using her. they don't. Yeah, that, so and that's that's okay. But I'm I'm just saying like is it okay? Well, no, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying for Josie's character, look at the options she has. She can stick with Harry right. and put him at risk, yeah. or she can stick with Catherine okay, no, and not put him. At I, risk. I understand her motivations. I don't yes. understand the writer's motivations for keeping her in this storyline and why they felt the need to be so. What cruel else is she to gonna her. do? Well, I don't know. Stand up to Catherine. Stand and get like the way out? she. Well, get yeah. Eckert on the phone and say, "Hey, I got your yeah, girl I want, here." Yeah, I want. I want to see her. She stood up to Ben Horn. She stood up to Hank Jennings. Yeah, because she was prepared and she had right. So have her be prepared again. Have her mm, be. Have yeah. her get some some strength back again. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is just showing that she was kind of on Eckert's leash the whole time. Well, perhaps, yeah, and, and, she, and without his and that's support. what that's what makes it so gross to me is that she yeah. it's a, it's, she she's a strong female character who wasn't actually all that strong. Yeah, or isn't anymore anyway, and now she's just it's at true. the whim of like, all these. It other seems characters. like she she could at least be scheming in this point. Like she's looking not. for she's some dirt on up. Catherine. She's yeah. just given up. And yeah. that's kind of, it's what, it, it rubs me the wrong way. I yeah. Just no, I can like see it, that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, also Harry gets a huge boner from <laughs> having her need I think help. Harry just always has a huge boner for Josie. Okay, it's true, so but... fair, in fairness, I mean, their relationship is fairly new. So they're still honeymooning. And all this shit is happening. So, you know, yeah. the tension and the, yeah. you know. But I do think it really is like he... He needs to save people. Yeah. And he needs to enjoy That's why he's saving, he's yeah. he's the sheriff, right? Yeah. No, I think it yeah, it he's, matches he wants his to take a protection still. a protective role. Yeah. And I, I can't fault him for it. No. It's it's such a minor thing. Like I don't and like I said, in this scene I kinda, you know, it's not cool that he keeps pressing when she says no, because, again, it's another dubious consent issue yeah, yeah, that, yeah. in this episode that bothers me. Yeah. But but okay, like I mean yeah. I think she does want the comfort from him. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he, he he wants to help her. And that's genuine, I think. Yeah, I think. no, it, it is, it I just, think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've had this conversation on Tumblr now with Alexis, who was on the show, um, a couple other people who have chipped in um, that 
sex doesn't always have to be nefarious or, or um, doesn't always have to be something that's that's used in a manipulative way. It's it's what's frequently portrayed on screen. Um, sex is a tool, yeah. right? Um, I I'm not sure in this point at this point if that's what. Like I don't I don't think Harry is using he's not manipulating her with sex. I think Josie will always feel like sex is something that you use to you manipulate, use to manipulate yeah. because that's where her background is. Well, I think that's I think why she's Harry's... not interested in having sex with him now. Right. Like she's saying no and stuff because what is she going to get out of it? She already here is offering her everything she right. could want. Right. She's she's at the lowest yeah. ebb of her but um but I also think that for for Harry um who's this very laconic, stoic, you know, not much of a talker, um, not a sensitive new age guy, right? Yeah. That if he's going to comfort a woman, it's going to be with his body. That's yes. the only way that he can do it. And and I don't, like, it's, that's in keeping with his character, yeah. so it's fine. But, you know, just this, this storyline kind of, to borrow yeah. the parlance of, you know, the, the tumblers, it's squicky. <laughs> That's, that's that's a phrase. Yeah, it's it's like instead of saying something triggers you, you say it squicks you because it's not like it's not like this causes someone to have a PTSD flashback, yeah, yeah. but it rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. Just just enough to make you uncomfortable. It's yeah. squicky. Okay. You never heard that term before? No, that huh. is purely a Tumblr term. Well, no, sure. I don't think it's a Tumblr thing. I think it's a social justice warrior oh, thing. Okay. If you want to go with that. Sure. But, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So at the Great uh, Northern. Yeah. Uh, Lucille, I yes. think was her name. Yes, Audrey meets a woman named Lucille, Lucille. who uh, we only know because of the subtitles, I yeah. think. Oh, no, no, no. Audrey does say Lucille. Yeah, Lucille, she calls where her are you going? Name. And she's she's <laughs> in, like, uh, Confederate garb, and yeah. she had a drum that's broken or something and like that. And she's got a bottle of ketchup. Yeah. I think that they're using ketchup for blood. blood. She's yeah. got a bandage around her yeah. head, and she's kind of... I, I, yeah, is she crying, crying or she's upset? But sure. she runs away without saying anything, yeah. and Audrey's kind of alarmed, so What's she goes on? to see her father, who has expanded his Civil War reenactment to encompass most of his office at this point. Yeah. Um, and he basically just says, well, there's a war going on. Yeah. Like, she like, asks, like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we're fighting a war. There's yeah. a war between the states. You're on General Stewart. <laughs> like, yeah, you exactly. know? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and Audrey, again, to... You know, she's she's very concerned. She yeah. makes a phone call to Uncle Jerry. She's like, get me Jerry. Yes. I, and, I uh, and, and that's that. Yeah. That's the scene. Yeah. But it, the story continues later on. Um, so, yeah. Picking up another scene, uh, another story that started earlier. Uh, Norma rides at Ed's. Yeah. And they both start talking. It's really cute. Yeah, at the same and time. And then, you know, Ed says, you go first. Um, and she gives this soapy, mm-hmm. awesome speech about... That would fit absolutely in yeah. on general hospital yeah it's just great about how she wants to how much she loves him and she thinks about him all the time and that's how she wants to spend the rest of her life and she's she's willing to give it all up she wants yeah. to go for it she's she's not holding back anymore um and then they kiss and, they, and then she, she tries to stop him so that he can say yeah, what he, can he say wants what he to wants. say He's but like, it's the same thing yeah, he wants to well, say the exactly. same thing exactly and then he says later and then they just keep well kissing. yeah it's a, it's a, it's one of those like dramatic pan shots of like the clothes falling but yeah. it's just her coat but yeah, it's yeah. you yeah, know they, they go down her body yeah. and then yeah he drops, drops her coat but it's uh, so this is the first time they, they have sex well I don't I don't think they were sleeping of, together before I don't I don't think so either because just the way they react here either it's been a very long time yeah which is possible or um, this is the first time, yeah. Yeah. The, because I mean, yes. I, I'm just a lot of people that I've spoken to um, believe that they were they were having an affair. 
a sexual affair. Um, I didn't read it that way, and I don't. No. I don't because I mean that's the whole tension is that they've this has been unrequited love. Their right. Whole I mean, it's still and... a damaging. It's still a, an emotional affair, which is oh yeah, is for still sure. devastating. But but I mean, I mean, look at who they're married to. They're not happy with the people they're married to, so no. it shouldn't be. I mean, they should just call it off. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. It would be the adult but, thing to do, but it's not but it so far thing to do. Well, yeah, and it is hard, especially for, I mean, Norma, I don't, Norma's just weak for the longest part until she kicks Hank out. But uh, Ed, you know, he really does have a hard choice. Like, does he leave this woman who, who has no other supports, yeah. apparently, has no help or family or anything yeah. nearby, um, to fend for herself well, and that's why a serious I think mental illness? Now, with her like he sees her happy and he sees yeah, her. Yeah, he's like maybe she doesn't need me. And, yeah, exactly. And that's probably what's prompting this. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, I don't. I I feel like this is like the either the first time in like years. Yeah, like since they were an item in high school. Or, yeah, or, or like maybe they had a, a brief fling. Yeah. Ten years ago, right? Twenties when before. Uh, well, they don't have any kids. Neither of them do, I guess. No. But yeah, maybe before they before Hank went away the first time. Yeah. <laughs> something like or that. Whatever. Or while he was gone or something, right? I don't know. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I really love their sto- love story. I think they're just, like, they're such a, a pretty couple. Well, and, and they, 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 they seem to really do care about each other, yeah. and it seems like a, such a crappy situation for both of them. Yeah. That I, and I, like, I don't have, I don't like that they're cheating on their spouses. I like it less that it's yeah. Ed cheating on Nadine, who needs Yeah, it needs help. Support. Yeah. Um, but but I, I have a lot of sympathy for them. Yeah, and and I like both characters. I think that's it. It's just I yeah, like yeah, these yeah, characters. I, I want to see them yeah. do well. I want to see them be happy. happy. And yeah. yeah, that's not going to happen. So, um, okay. Right. So back at the sheriff station, clearly Ernie has made the call to Jean Reno. Yep. Um, and he is getting uh, wired up. So we had another scene of Hawk uh, applying yeah. the wire to. Uh, Ernie, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he did it previously with Cooper and, and Ed when they went up yeah. to One-Eyed Jacks, but here he's doing it with Ernie, who yeah. is sweating profusely. He suffers from hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating. And, he, and he, I love this, how he <laughs> describes where it came from. He's like, he, he was leading a battalion in the Cold War, or in the Korean War, it's the 49th parallel, which is just bullshit. Like, yeah, Ernie, on, Ernie Niles never led anything more <laughs> than, like, you know... The accountant's ball <laughs> for, you know, the guys in prison, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. I love everything Everything he says, you just got to assume. As soon as he starts talking, you're assuming he's lying. It's so it's just, it's great to watch because yeah. you're like, yeah, none of that happened. And yeah. it's just entertaining. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, yeah. But he's trying really hard to, to put up a front that he is yeah. capable of, of handling this. Of doing this, this yeah. Um, even though he is extremely nervous. Uh, so Hank... Sorry, Hawk, Ernie, and Truman, and Denise are, are all going to be involved in this. Cooper says he wishes that he could go, and Sheriff Truman says, Consider yourself deputized. Bureau's loss is my gain. I hope I can live up to this. But Cooper, you know, he's just so overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah. You know, I hope I can live up to so this. Yeah, right? it's, like, so it's, so, it's so cute that he he's... He takes it so seriously, and now he's got some authority back. I think. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, which is part of what was him. missing. Yeah, um, for him anyway. Yeah. Um, and then Denise comes in. In oh. but first, Ernie has another comedic moment. So I just love this one. He he interrupts him. And he's like, "Can I ask you a question before we go?" And he says, "Don't make me do this. I can't. I'm a coward." <laughs> and all this stuff. It's just another Ernie moment. Sorry, I just love it. And then yeah, Denise walks in. Denise walks in and uh, dressed as a man. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, but it's not like Denise is a man. It's Denise in drag, really. Yeah, Denise, yeah, is what it feels because, like. Because the mannerisms are all there. Yeah. Like, this is, this is Denise Still Bryson. Still Denise Bryson. Dressed as a, like, sleazy Seattle drug dealer. Yeah. I love it. It's yeah, so no, great. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she looks great doing it. Yeah, like, you know. so it's you know with the ponytail. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, oh, who does who does she remind me of? Leo. No, no, no. <laughs> There's a character from like, oh my god, this is really gonna bother me. A '90s show, like yeah, like the way that she looks with her hair pulled back and everything, like one of the bad guys from Three Ninjas, I think maybe or something. Oh yeah, okay. That but more sense, than that, yeah. more than that, she does remind me a lot of. Uh, What's the the scumbag guy from Die Hard who gets killed by when he tries to pretend that he's friends with he has a can of Coke? Oh yeah, really? Yeah, just Oh know. yeah, the way the suit is like a big shoulder pad. Sure, it's very nineties. Like it's yes. very like yes. you know. Anyway. <laughs> that was a long diatribe. Yeah, it was, sorry. Um yeah. uh, so they're they're gonna, they're go, gonna off go off together and, and uh Catch yeah. some drug dealers. That's right. But here's the thing. So Aiden wanted to bring this up earlier, and yeah. and we should talk about it now because we didn't talk about it in the last episode. Um, why is Denise going on evidence that Cooper brought up yes. to exonerate himself? Especially when the evidence is cocaine that Cooper is accused of having smuggled across exactly. the border. Why would he, him producing, oh, I found this at Dead Dog Farm. Yeah, Someone yeah. else put it there. Like, right. why would Denise say, oh, yes, of course, that like, makes sense. Like, let's no follow this angle. Like, yeah. I, I feel like, unless, you know, we're se- there's something that happened off camera where Denise did a private investigation of, of her own to figure out what was going on. Which is possible, Which I guess. is possible. Or, um, or, I mean, the fact that Cooper, when he initially found the cocaine and everything, he said, let's call the sheriff to get in. And so right. the sheriff had probably done the investigating, but sure. the sheriff should have then yeah. presented the evidence. Yes, it shouldn't to... have been Cooper the, being the one presenting this. Yeah. Even with the photographs that Audrey gave him and everything yeah, like that, that it, still, like... it still should have gone through the proper channels. It should not have been the accused presenting evidence of his own innocence yeah. to the person investigating him for the crime. Yeah. And then them developing an entire sting operation based on, based that. on that evidence. Yeah. Even if we know it's right, it's still just, it's just another yeah, example a, of okay. So it's cinematic and it's fun and it's it. Yeah, it works know, charges, for the yeah. The but sh- it doesn't yeah. make sense realistically. No. So no, that's just me being pedantic. No, but it's you true. Being pedantic, yeah, it's I noticed. Being I was pedantic. just like, we, yeah, we talked for like. Oh, this really we should we should co- re- rename this this podcast pedantic peaks. Pedantic peaks. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Actually, yeah. we haven't been bickering at all. No, we should fight more. Okay, you suck. <laughs> That's not... That didn't work, yeah. That's not fighting. That's not an argument. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh. This is not a Monty Python no, it's podcast. Not, no. <laughs> no. Maybe we should do that next. Anyways, oh, then we come to a completely forgettable scene. Yes, at the uh, Dorrit Home for Boys. Yeah. Is that what it is? I think so. It's the Which orphanage. Is, yeah, it's it's but it named after Little Dorrit, the, the Dickens character. No? Not ringing any bells. Again, I read. Wow, you I read have Dickens. a literature degree. Like, I read like three God. Dickens novels too. Which one is that from? Little Dorrit. Oh, that's the name of the book. Yes. Okay, well, I didn't read that one. So how the frig am I supposed to know? You that? should just know it's part of the you know the quote unquote English canon. Yeah, I don't know English all of English canon. canon. Jesus, I have a degree, not six. Okay, I didn't have time to read all these terrible books that they say you have to read. You like Dickens? Uh, no. Out of the two of us, I liked. Parts of, uh, it was the best times, it was the worst times. Tale of Two Cities. 
that I enjoyed parts of that and like three paragraphs of your of Uriah Heep. Real, literally, the character Uriah Heep in David Copperfield. That was it. See, we should do this about books. We would bicker much more if we were talking about yeah, books. Yeah, because we disagree so much about literature. We do. You hate the books I like, and I love the books that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Dick uh, is the, they sneak in. It's so stupid, and Dick is just like thumbing through files. First yeah. of all, the only interesting thing in this scene is that Nikki's last name is Needleman, mm-hmm. which is whatever. Um, and then yeah, he, Dick's just like thumbing through the files when a couple comes in looking, looking for, for um, a little name? boy. Danny or something? Donnie, I think Donnie. his name is. Little Donnie. And Andy, of course, freezes, has no idea what to... He's not... I can never see him going undercover. That's, no, that's for sure. Um, Although he is the only sensible person in this entire yeah, scene. He's like, true. Dick, grab let's the file, let's, let's read go. it in the car, let's go. Yeah. Because all they want to find out is what happened to his parents, right? Yeah. Remember, that's their conversation And it's not like before. anybody's going to need his file in the next little while. No. Because he's so, already with I this. mean, although then they have to break back in and... and put it back. Put it back. But it's Still, not going to be clear what happens. Whatever. This family comes in, catches them... They're all bumbling, like, oh, we can help you. Like, the family thinks that they're with the agency. And Dick lies and says... Uh, Little Donnie is... dead. Dead tired, I mean. I'm afraid Little Donnie, he isn't feeling... It's just, it's such an... it's a go nowhere scene. First yeah, of all, totally. like, it's, it we don't learn what they found out. I mean, no. I think in future episodes maybe we do. Oh yeah, no. I mean, they do learn something from it, but we didn't need to see that no. that whole thing happen. No. It was just an excuse to have like an awkward Dick and Andy scene. Like, yeah, which I mean, now the and these two are now like partnered up in in investigation. Yeah. Like, yeah. can you can you bring back Donna and Maddie? Yeah, I'll take please? Donna. I'll take Donna and James at this point. Yeah, no, like, no. I'll take Donna and Maddie. <laughs> at least Dick's funny. And Andy's funny too. So anyway, anyways, to uh, Donna. Yeah, we get uh, Donna comes over to uh, Ed's place looking for James. We haven't seen Donna in a little while, haven't we? No, and she's um, still well. She's been at the, she's been at the the school. We've seen a few episodes of her. Yeah, movie. her hair looks good. I yeah, just, I just noticed she that does. she yeah. she looks a little pulled together. Yeah, um, closer to the pilot. They've redone her hair to be a little more. Well, it's 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 more stylized. Yeah, it's a little less um, straight and plain. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so she's there. She wants to find James. Ed says, oh, well, he called. Good good thing you're here. Take the uh, money. Yeah. She says, I'll take the money to him. He's like, sure, why not? Yeah. Like, one slight mention of what are your folks going to think. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. Well, no, I mean, whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's true. I'm going to go seniors, up to Wally's yeah. and, and hang out with my love interest who's... Off banging another chick. Yeah. And bring him his $12. He'd buy a couple cappuccinos. Like, what is the point? I just, yeah, what is yeah, the point? Yeah. But it is, it is a nice segue. Yes. Because Norma appears out of the, out of yes. frame. And, and so they're. They've just, just finished. finished yes. I guess. Post-coital bliss. Yeah. Um, she has to go back to the diner. Uh, and then she leaves. And Hank is there. Hank's in the, Hank like he's is snuck literally, in the back door or well, something. Yeah. He's in the middle of their living room. Yeah. Where where was he the whole time? No, I think he snuck in the through the kitchen and uh, right behind them. <laughs> it's really weird. It's it like, is like he's just there. He's all just time. there, and and who's manning the diner too? Again, yeah, pedantic peaks. That's right. I'm thinking about the logistics, the logistics here, guys. Yeah, like, and how did he get there? Does he have a vehicle? He's sleeping at the double R. Like how he is walks. he getting around? Maybe Twin Peaks is really small. Yeah, 
I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know either. This is why my stories never go anywhere. <laughs> this is why it takes me years because I have to think of to every little thing. Yeah, yeah, you don't. Just do what they do. Just have them appear in yeah, the living room. Yeah, just Hank appear in the middle of the living room. Solves all your literary problems. <laughs> so Hank beats up Ed. Yes. Ed, Ed's terrible at fighting. I know. This is, like, yeah. He's not a great bookhouse no. boy, really. Well, should... maybe the bookhouse boys are not about fighting. They are called the bookhouse boys. Sure, they're maybe readers. he's the reader. They're, yeah. they're intellectuals. He's the poet of the group, perhaps. Um, but then, yeah, uh, then Nadine shows up, though, and yes. saves the day. Yes. And this is my favorite Nadine scene She by just far. goes berserk. She just wastes Hank oh, so totally, bad. Oh, totally. Which just, is... At one point, yeah, again, picks him up and throws him through mm-hmm. the... She swings her bag around, and, and all, like, it's clear that there's a, a something weight, waiting yeah. waiting down the bag. Maybe a textbook or something, yeah. Well, but it looked... In, when I was watching, I'm like, does she have a bowling yeah, ball? Yeah, that's in what here? I thought, too. Yeah, right? It, it was just great. Like, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, she just wastes him, and... Uh, and then goes over to comfort Ed. On yeah, the and who's just like, what's going on, Nadine? Yeah, and then yeah. she's like, yeah, I'm here to save you. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Which is which is kind of sad in in retrospect because he has just finished. Yeah, an affair. But I mean, she doesn't even know they're together. She doesn't know they're married. She doesn't know anything about that. She and Ed are married. Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she doesn't. She clearly doesn't take the relationship. She was making out with Mike. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, the, show, the show is kind of giving Ed carte blanche to kind yes. of do what he wants Continue. with. Yes. But anyway. Uh, we go back to the uh, the Great Northern. And we get Ben explaining, explaining his military strategy to Bobby. And it's it's uh, not a historical military strategy. It is as if the South were winning the Civil War. Yeah, I think. I don't know the Civil War. I'm well not. Enough, yeah, but... I'm not well versed in the Civil War. And at least not, you know, at the, the major battles... Yeah. We learned about them in school, did but we? well, I did. I never learned anything about the Civil War except for it was about slavery and the South lost. That's like that's yeah. all I know. Okay, so this yeah. is this is the point that I brought up in the last episode that this is kind of a problematic um, storyline because Ben Horn seems intent on playing the role of General Lee mm-hmm. and winning the Civil War for the Southern states. Yeah, and this is portrayed as being vital to his mental health. He needs to do this. Yeah. That's where this story ends up going. Yeah. And that sits really poorly with me. Yeah. Because, okay, Ben is a terrible guy. He's not an upstanding individual. In his mind, he thinks of himself as valorous and worthy of the penthouse suite in yeah. the in the, the office skyscraper that he constructed for himself. Yeah. Um, but that also means that he's equating himself with the losing side of a, a pretty clear moral battle that happened in the middle part of the 19th century. Yeah. Um, well, he's he's putting himself on the side of the bad guys and and their survival and their success but, is what okay, needs to happen for him to get better. Yes. Here's the problem with viewing it that way is that a large portion of America still views oh, the Confederacy course. as fighting for a noble cause, fighting yes. for states' rights, right. fighting for freedom. freedom fighting and, for, okay. Exactly. And I think that's, it. and it's been romanticized to no end. Oh, yes, of that course. Even people who don't support slavery and aren't racist still feel like, yes, the Confederacy was... A was misguided thing. but noble. Yeah, it was. They were fighting for what they believed in, and they lost right. despite all their best efforts. And but and, they're wrong. Yes, but they were totally <laughs> wrong. But I think it's you're not supposed to read that as 
as being a moral choice here because, of course, yeah, the Confederacy was a, a great noble enterprise with, with sli- slightly misguided ideals. I think that's how fucked up, frankly, sorry to our American friends, but that's how fucked up America is that they really view the Confederacy, which was fighting for owning people, mm-hmm. as being just a little misguided kind of, you know, ragtag so, but, but bunch. But what, what does that say about... Ben Horn. That I don't he think I don't think it's. With it. I don't think you're supposed to read that it that way. I think you're supposed to read it as him just being, um, him fighting a well-known losing battle that was gallant in its efforts and failed. He wants to be the star who should have succeeded. Okay. You know, he, so the metaphor here is that he failed to keep his business alive and he failed to, uh, you know, despite being a noble, generous gentleman. Who had in his who was, view? Yes, who was who was fighting for his best mm. interests and uh, his version of of what the good world should be? You know. So and this is playing out as a metaphor for, for his, Ben's. Yes. From Ben's view. Yes, exactly. So we are supposed to read this ironically. Uh, a in little a sense. bit, yeah. But but Ben is completely. Yeah, I don't think it's so much like. Yeah, he's fighting as the the South and the Confederates, not as a slave owner. You know, like and that's yeah, the distinction. Yeah, he's, he's that they fighting make. it as a Southern gentleman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, he starts putting on the accent in this oh, yeah, scene and yeah. stuff. You know, like okay, we're gonna have to come back to this. Okay. This plays out over a few yeah, episodes. Yeah, there's a few more episodes of this. Um, yeah, I still, I mean, I still enjoy this yeah, plot yeah, line, same. and I, I don't know if we're in the minority here because I think a lot of people view this as one of the the poor. Yeah. It's it's lumped in with the the, the poorest James's of the and, yeah the, the Lickies. yeah but I yeah. so I, even though I still like it there are par- parts that yeah squick me they're yeah. squicky yeah okay <laughs> I I don't really like that term but I will use it because it squicks me as well yeah um but anyways he anoints uh, Bobby General Meade who's I guess a, a Northern general uh, and said well I just defeated you are you going to surrender. And, and, and Bobby's, Bobby's like, just like, you know I'm going to go talk to Abe Lincoln first. <laughs> yeah, let's... Can't keep the president waiting yeah. before I surrender to you, General Lee. So then and, he leaves. Yeah. And uh, who's outside? Audrey. Yeah. And they have a bit of another back and forth. Yeah, it's... about, uh, well, well... Hey, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The bad news is that your old man just bought a condo in Flipsick. The good news is that he's about to win the Civil War. It's a, it's a good it's a good line. Like yeah. it's a funny no, line. No, it is. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, and it's something that I mean I don't I don't get the sense that that Bobby Briggs did very well in in his history classes, no. but he still knows enough about the Civil War to yeah. know that yeah, what role he has to play in this yeah. in this enterprise. But he he and Audrey decide that they're going to go into business together. This is where yeah. this has been leading, I think. And um, she's already called uh, Dr. Jacoby and, and Jerry. Uncle they're both going to be coming in the so next day. Yeah. they're going to try and fix her father. And this is the, uh, for the next, well, two and a half episodes, I guess. Yeah, where this story goes. Yeah, yeah. this is the, 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 yeah, triumvirate, no, no, not triumvirate. Pentagram? No. Nope. There's five of them. <laughs> well, yeah, no, this, this is the, <laughs> this is the group that's going to be, yeah. you know, trying to fix um, and then who works by Catherine? Catherine, and yeah. And she goes to see Ben. Yes. And I, this is an odd scene for me. A yeah. because she just reunited with Pete, and Pete right. helped her right to screw over Ben, especially. Yeah. And it seemed like her and Pete had a genuine affection again. And she comes right back to basically 
telling Ben how much she can't resist him. And right. Because she did, she she comes there and she admits she's come there to gloat. Yes. That's yes. what she wants to do. Um, and Ben correctly deduces that. So maybe he's got more of his marbles than we think. Because he he at least well, recognizes he, yeah. her as, as, as someone Catherine. who screwed him over. And yeah, is not a general. In, yeah, in exactly. Raid, so. um, and I love that she's wearing like a, a, a very obvious, you know, the the design of her shawl or the, mm-hmm. the, the poncho that she's wearing is like a very Native American design. Oh, okay. I didn't know um, really I just thought that was an interesting an interesting choice. Yeah. She doesn't really previous like design. she always she always wears, you know, business suits and very, you know, nineteen mm. eighties designing women yeah. type, you know, yeah. power broker outfits. Yeah. Yeah. With the soft feminine touch of you maybe a string of pearls, yeah, and here yeah. she is wearing something that seems a little Pretty bit out of character. And, yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, they they start. Uh, it seems like they're starting up their they're their relationship again. again. Um, and I, I'm not really sure how to read this scene because it 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 doesn't feel in character for Catherine, and I wonder what her angle is. I I, I had the feeling throughout this whole scene that I don't nothing that they have ever said to one another is genuine. Like, you could never trust one another, ever. They're still drawn to each other, but I yeah. just, like... There's no trust, for sure. Well, yeah, and I, I don't even trust what she's saying. Like, I, I kept thinking, and then trying to imagine, like, what comes in the next few episodes, because what's her angle? What is she trying yeah, to do? Yeah, I don't know. And she, do, she, she doesn't really seem overly concerned with the fact that Ben's office is now, you know, yeah, a, a Civil, Civil War, War battlefield. Yeah. But... It does shake her a little bit because she does come into gloat and then backs off that when she sees him. Maybe because she sees that he's, you know, reenacting this grand battle on on yeah. the floor of his office. But but I think more just because she finds him irresistible. Which, in fairness, I mean, have you seen Richard Bamer? <laughs> yes. He's an attractive man. I would. See, I've only, I can't, I can't remember him except for in uh, West Side Story in this. And West Side Story he was very, much younger. Very but he attractive. Was, he was, yes, he was a good-looking guy back then. And here, Ben's just so schemey. Oh, yeah, I know, of course, yeah, but, yeah. Being attracted to him, but sure. I guess uh, for Catherine, it definitely makes sense. Well, yeah, and I, and I do like that they come back. Like, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they're, they're kind of meant to be Yeah, together. exactly, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. James. Back to James. So he's oh, fixed... I hate this scene. It's so ridiculous. It's just so bad. So basically, he fixed, he's fixed the car. He, like, blindfolds her to show her. And then they, they have pop champagne, champagne. But they don't, like, they drink a couple like a sips. Sip. And then he dumps, dumps it, it all out to go, like. Make out with her. Well, to screw her on yeah. the car. Like, they're going to yeah. have sex on the wheel well of this Jag. And, and uh, that is all terrible. It is all really bad. What is worse is the complete lack of chemistry between oh, these two yeah, it is really in the obvious. scene. It is like, now I'm going to take your sh- your jacket off roughly and kiss you like a man. Like, that's, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it's so bad. Like, yeah. it's so it's really painful to watch. Yeah, especially um, coming after, you know, a scene with Piper Laurie and Richard Bacon. Yeah, yeah. Which is so, you know. Yes. Or Ed and Norma, the way they were kissing and, yeah. and, and, and yeah, like that. Shit, even Bobby totally and Shelly have more chemistry yes. and they hate each other in this episode. Yes. So, like... Yeah. Just to put it in context, yeah. this is a really bad scene. Yes, very bad. And uh, so yeah, and then the last shot, which pulls out to from the driveway, yeah, yeah. to show Malcolm, the brother, um, the chauffeur, yeah, 
uh, watching them yeah. creepily. And he smiles and which is walks away. like I mean, okay, it ties in with the the incest. I guess the weird, creepy, familial yeah. dynamic. Well, we don't even which know that comes yet. into in five big, minutes. Don't yeah. Worry. Well, yeah. It anyway. <sighs> it's it's disturbing. Yeah. Malcolm is disturbing. He's a creepy. Well, yeah, guy. I know he is. He's a weird looking guy. Anyways, um, but anyways, we go to Dead Dog. Um, yes. And Renault. So you get this all through uh, the sheriff's looking at uh, the scene over a hill. Yeah, through binoculars. Behind, yeah, through binoculars. Yeah. And uh, Hawks listening in. Yeah. Ernie's so it's mic. all done at a distance. Um, Ernie and Denise have gone in to Dead Dog Farm to make the buy. Yeah. And Ernie is sweating profusely. <laughs> um, which is where this is the, the arc of his character yes, has been set up from the beginning. This is yeah. This is his great you know, swan song yeah. because he sweats so much that the wires start to short and smoke <laughs> out of his shirt. Yeah. yeah. And that's when Jean and uh, Sergeant King realize that they've been What's had. And I love this. Okay. So we haven't talked about Michael Parks who plays um, Jean Renault, yeah. but he is such a great villain. Oh yeah. I just love him to pieces as a bad guy. Yeah. A bad guy. Yeah. He's so great at it. And I, I, I'm sad that this is his last episode because he really did play Jean Renault. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He did not, we did not give him enough credit in previous episodes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, but he comes out and this is, he knows instantly that Cooper's behind it and he calls to Cooper. Um, and he says, I won't get across the border. And Cooper says, well, that's not going to happen, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then Cooper proposes a trade. Yeah. Him for Bryson and Ernie. Um, and and of know. course Harry is uh, apoplectic about it. Yeah. He's like, "There's no way this is happening." But Cooper goes in anyway. He's got his, he's got all the chutzpah back. He's he's yeah. got he's been deputized. Yeah. He's <laughs> got authority again. Yeah. So he marches over the hill and and, uh, and then, makes yeah. the trade. Yeah. And Cooper or uh, Harry and and Hawk call for stay back up. They're going to get yeah. everybody out there yeah. to, to make sure they they don't let these guys get out. Um, for some reason. That scene cuts away to uh, James and Evelyn again, who have just finished having sex in James's single bed um, above the garage. And uh, Evelyn leaves. And well, first she up. gets dressed in silhouette because, of course, right, like right, shadow right. silhouette, because, of course, she fucking does this. Like, this is every terrible cliche of every yeah. terrible love story ever. And I think Aiden's going to, his eyes are going to roll eye, they out, are of, literally out of fall his back head. Into like, my mouth and I will spit them out at the microphone because that is how much I hate these scenes. Yeah. We have to bring Aaron back on because he liked James. I know. I want to see him justify these Aaron, scenes. Aaron, if you're listening to this, please, please, we, Comment we will, we will ad- make an addendum to this episode. Uh, why does this scene, what, why? Just why? Why does this plot... Just why? We haven't even got to the worst part. So Evelyn leaves. And meets up with Malcolm in the stairwell or in the hallway outside. And they start making out. Yes. yes. Brother and sister. Well, but they're not They're not brother and sister. I think well, we that they're... we don't know that yet. No, of course they're not. But Do but, you ever get confirmation of that? Yes, you do. Oh, okay. I'm 90... Well, okay. I don't remember. Anyway. I blocked this out of my memory. They're making out. And you think they're brother and sister making out yeah, in right. the hallway. And, uh, and they're plotting against James. Yeah. For what reason? I mean, we don't know. probably to kill Evelyn's yeah, the husband, husband. Yeah, that's is what you're led to suspect. Yeah. But it's, uh, and then Evelyn, like, they they embrace, and Evelyn has this tortured look on her face. It's the most emoting that this actress has done in this entire storyline. Um, that's what we cut away from Dead Dog Farm for. When we come back, uh, it's, it's nighttime. nighttime. So I, I think guess, that was, yeah, okay, that was the, the passage thing. of time. Yeah. Um, 
that you can do that with, you know, a fade and then, uh, you know, shot of the moon and an owl and then it's nighttime. But we just, needed to see the know, incest. Just, you know, just, you know, yeah. just, just, just yeah. saying Todd Holland, yeah. that, you know, that's, yeah. that's an that's option. An option yeah. Anyway, um, state troopers are there. Yeah, there's a big standoff. Uh, Cooper and Jean Renault and Sergeant King are holed up in the center room. We get a shot of Cooper. He's been probably pistol whipped. He's yeah, cut in his face. He's a little pistol. unkempt. His yeah. hair, which is always impeccable, is yes. falling in his face. Um, it's a real low moment. Yeah, he looks right? really down. Yeah. and But, uh, he, but he, he doesn't... I still feel like he's still pretty much in charge because um, well, Renault yeah. asks, like, okay, so... Are they going to let us Are they going to let us deal? And he's like, nope. Are they going to let us go? Nope. nope. So what you do we do? got to surrender. Surrender. Like, Cooper's not... Yeah, he's not screwing around. I think it's still... It's still his 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 driving ethos is still to let things fall as they fall. And he's literally like his hands are tied literally like he he there's nothing he can do if they're gonna kill him they're gonna kill him he's just gonna be honest and let the chips fall where they may and there's there's a a kind of a quiet dignity to it but it also feels and it's underscored by by jean john's um yeah speech about speech which is brilliant like it really does feel i mean you never really got the idea that jean was part of this community because he was uh, yeah, up at One-Eyed Jacks. He was from Canada. Jacks, yeah. um, we just said that totally opposite. But <laughs> On top of one another. Yeah. Kind of it. Um, but he he talks to Cooper like Cooper is the problem. Yeah. And then you get a, a shot of Cooper and it's really acting. It's yeah. like, it's like does he believe that maybe yeah, he was he the problem? Like, yeah, yeah, like does he think that this is, this is what... He he brought the nightmare with him, right? Um, and so yeah, it's, and it's it is really good, and I mean, it's obviously just he's doing correlation, whereas Cooper would look for causation. Sure, Cooper didn't cause anybody to get murdered no, or anything not. like that. Of course not. But, but you know, he just happens to be around when this stuff happens. But, yeah, and 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 Jean Renault blames him for the murders of his brothers yeah. and blames him for the collapse of his drug dealing empire, and um, and. And this is the scene where he, he really does start to feel like he has a stake in what, what has happened in this community since Laura's murder. Yeah. Because before all of this, as he said, um, things were quiet. Yeah. You know, simple people, quiet lives, all of this. So, um, and it's it's a really, um, it's kind of a poignant, in a way, poignant moment. Yeah. Mostly because of Cooper's well, non-reaction, but the internalized reaction that yeah. you think might be happening yeah. behind his eyes, and it's a it's a it's a great piece of acting between just yeah, um, Kyle McLaughlin and Michael Parks playing these these characters who are really torturing themselves or have been tortured psychologically by what's happened, mm-hmm. um, and of course it all ends with uh, Denise arriving this yes. time in, in uh, uh, Double R Getup. Uh, with food on a tray, and uh, and I love how Renault's titillating. Like, oh, oh yeah, no, he's like, no, let her in, come, right? Like, like this is <laughs> you're not a very good criminal if you're gonna fall for you know the old. Cr- yeah, it's just yeah, it's just yeah. such a such a yeah a departure for him is this suave criminal mastermind. But you know he is a little sex addicted. Of now, course, right? yeah, and he, and yeah. he it it once again just goes to underline that Denise is an attractive woman yeah. 
self-possessed and and she marches in there with her skirt yep. lifts, up, lifts the, it up enough for Cooper to grab well, the gun. Well, enough enough for Jean Reno to, to notice, see yeah. that there's, you know, nice legs yeah. underneath that skirt. Yeah. But also enough for Cooper to see that there's a gun strapped to her leg. Yeah. So Cooper reaches for the gun, pulls it off, shoots, shoots Renault. Renault. And then Denise, Denise goes after King. Sergeant King and uh, and Cooper keeps the gun trained on Renault the entire time that you see him reach for his own gun. Um, but he dies before he gets the chance to yeah. fire. And then Truman and Hawk and everyone comes in and Hawk declares Jean dead. And it's a, you know, the look on his face that it, it's, it was, again, difficult to read. I'm not sure how you interpreted that or if you noticed that. That it, the on camera kind of lingered on Hawk's face when he declared, oh. when he said that Jean was dead. I didn't notice that, no. Anyway. Um, yeah. But the whole idea was Truman's. Yeah. Which, you know, it's it's... Sometimes you got to improvise, yeah. he says, and it's uh, use what you've got. Another instance of just kind of going with the flow instead of having a definite plan, and it worked out in this case, although somebody else did die. But uh, I guess they've got enough to well, yeah, no, Cooper I mean, at yeah. this point. Yeah, so. exactly. And I mean, and it's kind of sad because I, I always, the first time I watched this, I really seem to remember this being stretched out over more episodes. Yeah, I thought like, the same thing. I thought they planned the setup one time and then the next they episode, captured yeah. Denise or captured Cooper and he was there for like the rest of this episode and it was the next episode. I thought they stretched out because this really brings an end to the Renault saga fairly quickly. It was really yeah. only last episode that um, they kind of had any inkling that he was involved even. Yeah. Uh, identified him, uh, Found out that Ernie was, you know, in on it, and they could blackmail or force Ernie to, to uh, betray, uh, Renault pretty quickly. You know, it all happened because uh, Bobby took some pictures in the at the start of the last episode. Right. So really, they wrapped it up in two, um, and it took, you know, you think when was Jean introduced? It was near the start of season two. Yeah, when and, when uh, Audrey was up at One Eye Jack's yeah, house exactly. his first introduction was, and he he disappears for several episodes and yeah. we don't hear from him again until here and then. And it literally is wrapped up. He has, you know, all of five minutes of screen time yeah. really. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of, I mean, if, now it feels like it was, it was rushed because they had a good villain. Like you said, of, of he, course, was, yeah. he played it so well. And, and the danger to Cooper was, was, was there ever present again. So and that's why I always wonder like, why didn't they just, like, he, they kidnap him or they get him as a hostage. And I guess, you know, like, Renault asks, like, well, are we going to kill him or not? Right. Why would he even ask that? To me, Renault is so hell-bent on revenge. Right. And he knows that they're going to come well, in guns it's, blazing no matter it's, what. It's maybe a, a, a clever parallel to Ben Horn's unraveling business situation, too. That that when these powerful men lose Control. What, what defines them, they don't have the ability to think on their feet as well. Ben Horn descends into civil war madness. Jean Renault makes rash decisions with police officers or FBI agents. Um, Cooper manages to keep control by giving up control, Mm -hmm. which is maybe the contrast here is that, is that Cooper can stay calm and collected outwardly anyway, by giving up control over things. He appears calm and collected though. Even when he's talking to Of course he does because he's a suave Francophone, yeah. you know, yeah. from Montreal. That's in my <laughs> yes. head canon. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, no, he ran the uh, mob in, in Montreal for sure. So he was the mayor? Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> we should cut that. <laughs> no, he just he just ran uh, street construction business for a while. That's all. <laughs> Same thing. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I don't, 
honestly, I don't. I don't really buy it. I don't buy that this was all wrapped up neatly. Yeah, it, it did. Because, it did seem know? like a very, very rushed ending. And maybe it's rushed. Maybe it feels rushed because we liked him so much. Yeah, and you don't true. realize you like him so much until he's not coming back. Yeah, and that's what that's what made me say that here is that yeah. it was the realization that, and like I said, I've watched this so many times, and I always am shocked that it happens so quickly. Yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah maybe that's why. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah, we, we leave go there. to the uh, Johnsons. Again, and... Um, and the power is cutting in. Yeah, so Shelly, is she, is she having a nap or she's watching TV or something? And, and there's and, a record on, though. Oh, yes, there's a record on. And uh, and the power starts going out and the record starts to fade or slow down and then it picks up again and then the power goes out. and then So Shelly gets up to, to investigate. Yeah. She thinks Bobby is, in, is involved somehow with this. I don't know why she would think that, but well, no, she's, she's living in this half-finished house. Yeah. Like, it's probably just Leo's shoddy electrical work. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but she goes to investigate. She calls out Bobby's name. She goes to Leo's bed and she sees that there's a clown doll yeah. sitting on the bed, um, spinning. spinning. There's like a ball on it yeah. on its in its hands or on yeah. its nose or something like that, which is creepy. Really creepy. So then and she then, continues searching and yeah. she finds this chair. Yeah, and it's Leo's empty. yeah wheelchair is empty. She spins it around and then she looks to the wall and who's there? Leo, Leo. Johnson with cake on his face. Yeah, looking like a clown. Looking like a clown. Yes. Like a scary um, clown. <laughs> is there a clown on the wall? The I party so decoration. Too. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. At one point, there was another clown. Yeah, I think else. I think it's just you know. I mean, it's it's. I mean, Leo was playing a clownish character for well, this season so yeah, far, absolutely. and now he turned into these. But it also clown. plays into the is it colorophobia, the fear of clowns. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's now the scary clown. Like clowns can be funny, and then as soon as they turn evil and try and kill you. They tend to not be so funny, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, Leo was playing a funny character this season, you know, spitting up and saying new shoes. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to try and kill Shelly again, right? Because he says, mm-hmm. Shelly. And then she screams and the lights flicker out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of that scene. And, uh, but it does, it does set up that um, the power was going out. Again, we have electricity coming into yes. play again. Well, that, um, that scene is very... Lynch-esque, like the way it, does, it is. It the way like the music is cutting in and yeah. out, and the lighting is flickering, and it's adding to the fear. The music is really great. Like, yeah, that it's, is a, a, it's a dark, um, scary scene with yeah. with some comic undertones with the clown yeah, imagery. Yeah. Um, so it 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 does, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like it. Is it's a really very great. unsettling yeah. scene, and it plays into the final scene, which is again very unsettling because we get. Um, well, it's very quick. It is very it quick. And we had fast. to watch it like three or four times with the subtitles on in order to catch all of the bits of plot that are because, being yeah, thrown Lucy's out talking. And yeah, and of course true. when Lucy's talking, everything is jumbled anyway. Off, yeah. So there there really isn't much that she says that is important. But So Truman, Hawk, and, um, and Cooper, Cooper are returning to the sheriff's station after what happened at the farm. And Lucy is standing outside the sheriff's station. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And or inside, in between the doors, she's yeah, standing, doors. but she's not in her office. Yeah. And she explains that she got a call. She got a call that there was a bomb, bomb. in the woods, but they don't say where the bomb was. While not- she goes to call the fire department, but the volunteer fire department was playing bingo, so it took a long time for them to get rounded up. And there, in uh, the they, meantime, there was an. Explosion. In the meantime, there were two explosions, yes. or an explosion that caused two fires. Yeah. We only find out that one of them was at the power station, at the power station which caused the, the, the power, power issues that are going on. Yeah. Um, 
Hawk, meanwhile, goes off to the generator. Check the generator, because they have a local... They'd have a generator Of course, and, yeah. and, and so he correctly figures that something isn't right. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Cooper goes into the station. He... He flicks on a lighter, which, why does he have a lighter? He doesn't smoke, no. but he has a lighter. And he uses that to light his way to the sheriff's office. And he calls Sheriff Truman in alone. He doesn't want Lucy to come. And when they enter the office, uh, Truman enters the office, and they find um, a dead body. man, a yeah. dead body, propped up in a chair with a, there's a, a like deer a, or a moose yeah, or something yeah. head um, next to him. Next to him. And a chessboard on Sheriff Truman's desk. And the corpse's hand is pointing... pointing at a piece. Well, at a piece or at a square on yeah. the on the board. Yeah. And so, Cooper basically says... Who is it? I don't know. It's a chess game. When tomorrow's next move... So that's why Lucy couldn't find the move in the classifieds, yeah. because Wyndham Merle was planning all Putting along to... Yeah. Uh, kill Kyle McLaughlin's brother. That's yeah, who that's, plays that's the, the actor. The, yeah, the actor right. yeah. is um, Craig, I think. Craig McLaughlin is yeah. his name. So that's anyway, uh, yeah. And that's where the that's where the episode, episode ends, ends with ends. Uh, with this very dark and it's it's another... It's, well, it's very jarring because yeah. it feels like, okay, we wrapped up Renault. Let's bring in the next bad guy. Yeah, because this all Start happens very, very, count. very quickly. Yeah, this whole scene is like... 45 seconds, maybe? A minute? Right, and, 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 and it comes on the heels of another, you know, a couple other quick scenes that ended rapidly. Yes. So, you know, yeah, it's... it's um, this Yeah, th- these last couple of scenes especially felt kind of Lynchian. Like, he, sometimes he'll speed through important stuff uh, in order to... Not Lynchian. Lynch-esque. I'm going to say that. It's his style as a director. His, like, his style was always to linger on things Well, that's the thing. And, and he did with the, they did with, in the Leo scene. Like, right, Shelly's there right. and the music's coming in and out. She goes through the whole process mm-hmm. of exposing. She could just turn around and Leo's there and it's scary and right. she runs away. But then they, they stretched out. And then sometimes he'll, he'll have, and the way Lucy does it, where she's talking in the background, providing the exposition, but that's not where the focus is. The focus mm-hmm, is on Cooper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. traveling through to find the, the body. Right. And, and having those things go in parallel, that's a, that's a very... I'm not, I'm not sure I buy that it's a Lynch thing. I think it's just, it's a trope, like a horror movie type thing that I would... No, but usually horror movies only have one focus at a time. And that, that's sure, like... sure. But I think it's still like, you know, on the whole, this is a far more horror movie-esque yeah. scene. And it, yeah. Like okay. like what we had in... in uh, it's It harkens back to, um, in a way to like Ronette's dream that she has when she wakes up from yeah. her coma. And who directed that? No, 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 I know, <laughs> I know. But I'm talking about just the, the fact, like the, the horror aspect of it, like it, the, the oh, okay. startling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at the end of an episode, but, yeah. But this is much more psychologically like subtle, I guess. It's not overt, like you're not seeing scary images of Bob and Laura with blood dripping from her face. Like, yeah, you're it's, seeing a dead body. No, That's of course, worse. but it's not a moving corpse. It's, you know, in terms of the... <laughs> Like, I the, the uncanny through. valley aspect of it, like, yeah, okay, corpses are always going to make you unsettled, right? Yeah. So it, 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 and it's dark and there's, you know, yeah, literally, power like, the outage. Like, it, gonna, it is, like, but I'm just saying it's, it's. There's nothing to light the way. It's not. I was far more unsettled by this than. But it's a different kind of unsettling is what I'm getting at. Is yeah. that it, it's, it's not like nightmare inducing the way that Ronette's dream is or the way that Laura's murder or Maddie's murder. I guess. Laura's murder from Firewalk with me. Um, like those 
cause you to like jolt up in bed like or me anyway like they affected me on a on a much different level than this does this gave me chills this was like watching the shining right like it's so like the shining it, terrifies me way okay, more. Okay, so we just have different approaches. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, I guess. This yeah. Is, uh, I mean, this is where the crux of it is. Yeah, but no. For the two of us, anyway. Yeah. But I, it is an effective, scary ending. Yeah. And it's it leads into what we, well, leads out of, I guess, what we said last episode, that in these, these the doldrums of season two, the highs are really, really high. Yeah. And this is one of those examples where yeah. you get some really killer, pardon the pun, <laughs> Um, final scenes here that yeah. are that are wrapped up very quickly and with um, the stakes being raised in yeah. a way that is unexpected. Yeah, like you really didn't see that coming. No, even though we we had the hints dropped all. earlier with you know Cooper looking for the next clue and you know yeah. so. No, it's true. So yeah, I thought it was a, yeah, it's a great ending and it it's a fantastic ending and yeah. and makes you want to watch. Next, yeah, episode, next episode which is sad because they still kept bleeding viewers so i don't know you know people just kept tuning out yeah we start to get into the episodes where the i think starting in february they february 91 they started shifting it around and it went off the air for a period of time mm-hmm. um it started to become harder to find on the on the dial so um which i guess when you watch you know james and evelyn screwing each other on the bumper of a, a jaguar you understand it but but then this scene comes along and you're like why why, why? yeah that's but anyway true. Yeah. we'll get to that we yeah, have we'll we there. have a couple more episodes left before things really start to ramp up towards the uh yeah the series finale so, yes. so it's we, coming soon yeah hope you'll continue joining in and we'll see you next week yep If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.